that's it. And don't forget Andrew uh, Wilson, their other brother right. from we Church Ball. Right, we saw Church Ball, Church Ball which yeah. was a pretty good movie, I thought. I would love to watch Church Ball right now. Give it, <laughs> yeah, give it what we want I like to. It's more like she's manipulating him, agreeing that the father's a jerk. Why don't you come work for me? Explore the world with your new GPS. Well, she's saying all the things he wants to hear. She's such a manipulator. She's a complicated villain. She really is. And How so? You know, like I, I, I mean, like I don't think what Michael Sch- uh, Schlepp is doing is a good thing. You know, just sort of feeding off of the popularity of other films but at the same time he does make his own story he doesn't do interesting things he he's shameless about it he doesn't hide the fact that he's pretending okay check out this guy's hippie voice his right. surfer voice not looking like that huh do you need a makeover a new paint job decals Chrome, dude. Chrome, Why? Dude. I just got this thing. <laughs> He's that turtle from Finding Nemo. Come on, Nemo. You got to find your chrome, dude. Yep. Because what he is is a stereotype. That's all it is. It's such He's a... like... It's not lazy. It's just not even lazy. It's just like, hey, dude. I'm a surfer. To, yeah. To make the cop Irish, to make the surfer dude, it's, it's just... It's lazy writing. It's not... Uh, there's no thought in it. And, um, okay, so this guy's name is Rally Bodega, and he was in Autobots, A Car's Life, Sparky's Big Adventure, <laughs> and he was in What's Up. He's another one of those who's just, he's part of the Michael Spark Schlepp plug. Spark Plug Entertainment crew. And this movie must have made money. I mean, they must have got a return for it. I'm sure, yeah. They have a deal, a distribution deal with Walmart and Kmart. And you saw it on Stars. They got paid to do it. The guy's not a fool. It's just cheap, you know. It, I I really think that he is quality enough. Well, I mean, I just slammed his writing, right? Because it was, uh, you know, he's doing stereotypes. But I think that his villain is interesting. He's putting death in children's stories. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy should do his own thing, you know. Yeah, but, he needs um, more. We need more entertainment with guns in it <laughs> for children. I just think that he should do. Uh, maybe that's not so great, but I just I know that this guy is a talented individual, right? And he maybe he made his way by being a ripoff guy. And now, Mike, I'm talking to you directly, Michael Schlepp. Do it, man. Do your own film. Uh, do your own. Story and Portrait of an artist is a young schlep. You can do it. Isn't that a Dr. Seuss thing? The schlep. Uh, yeah, the schlep. That? The schlep that wept. The things you could think maybe it was. I think it was the schlep that wept. <laughs> oh. This is a subplot I never explored with you. There's a little kid and the mother, and they really like Sparky. And so... Sometimes they come and spark, you know, hey, Sparky! Yeah, they get all there. happy. Yay. So, like, sometimes they come and Sparky was fired. Sometimes Sparky's here, and they get all happy. It's basically just to prop up that Sparky's a likable character, and he's being misunderstood by the father, which is natural. Or... 
maybe he should be uh, take the time to be more understandable to his dad. Huh? Why are you taking Sparky? That's what happens at the end, so that's what this is all leading up to. You know what I noticed? There's no there's no sun. What? There's no sun. He is the sun. No, 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 S U N. The sky is blue. Look, where's the sun? Where's the happy little fella? Where's the, the sun smiley is above. yellow guy? It's always noon and the sun is directly above. Oh, here comes trouble. She's trouble. Diesel. Your father again? He's unreasonable. So am I, Pete. I'll double your pay. Oh, Sparky, don't listen to her. There's a catch. Don't yeah, listen. There's a catch, all right. Yeah, herpes. The catch is we have to sit through it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, this movie's only an hour and 20 minutes, right? Um, uh, it's 88 minutes? Yeah, it's an hour 20. And, yeah, you're right. It's an hour 20. We're practically done. <laughs> I think you were done right from the start. Yeah, you um, know what? It's because I picked, I picked that racist little movie, and I just, having two old white guys trying to be ironic about, you know, 70s ironic racism. It's just, yeah. not, it's just not worth it. It's racist. We're, we get it. Yeah. So I picked – this movie's always been in my back pocket ever since I watched it on TV, and I just can't do it, man. Whoa. So basically now the blue car's got his nerve, and he's like, why don't we get a cup of lube or something? And uh, she's all depressed because uh, Shaft is not returning. Yeah. Well, she tried out to get an emoji, and they rejected her face. So uh, now he's getting yelled at his boss. I have to get back to work. I have. She goes. I know you have to leave. Everybody does, and she drives off. No wait, is that Sparky that she rejected? That's someone else. No, that is Bumper. Oh, look, I want to say Bumper is. Uh, wait, ugly. no, Bumper's the girl. Bumper is the girl. Oh. Her name's Denise. Denise Finnell, Finnelli. And she was in the coffee shop. She was in Leaving L.A. in 26. She was in Filthy Rich, Filthy Uncle Phil. So okay, enough, enough. These are movies career. that don't exist, okay? Just as much as this movie doesn't exist. Leaving L.A. You've never heard of Leaving L.A.? Uh, you've never heard of Leaving L.A. There's no such movie as Leaving L.A. Wasn't it the one with... Uh, Nicolas Cage and... Uh, is uh, a drunk? Yeah. 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 Think again. Leaving L.A. That's not a real movie. Leaving Las Vegas. No, that's... Oh, okay. Leaving L.A. is not a – oh, gee whiz. It came up as a song. Uh, America I'm Drama Television Series that aired from April until June of 97. Well, I guess that counts as a movie. It's only been on for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a short run. Yeah. Okay, you're right. She's, she's She hasn't been very successful. Pilot. Okay, well, where, where Sean Schimmel, Anywhere the but father – yeah. Yeah, I'm leaving L.A. Um, and then here's and a con- serious conclusion. Louisiana. Episode two. Wow, <laughs> I'm in Melpitas. The end. The, the series finale, episode two. Um, the father, who sounds like John Mulaney, I think his name's Sean Schimmel, he's uh, he's known for his work on Dragon Ball Z, Battle of Gods, Dragon Ball Z, Resurrection oh. F, and uh-huh. Dragon Ball Z, Cave. Z Kai in 2009. Oh, great. Well, I, this yeah. isn't a comic book convention. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Dragon Ball P. Do you like Dragon Ball P? 
No. I. Why would I? Well, you're at the P. Uh, Mike, not on the. I mean, that's strictly on the weekends. Mike. Oh, right. It's yeah, not, you're a weekend warrior when it comes to I'm not the, the year in play. But what about like Dragon Ball Z and uh, just those movies, those TV shows in general? You no, know, uh, that's the one. It's the Pokemon attempt, you know, because it has the card game and there's a. No, I'm not interested in that. I mean, I'm not 13. I'm not, Dra- Dragon Ball's not been like, around longer than Pokemon. It has? Yeah, man. That's been around since the uh, 80s. At least. I'll take your word for it. So is Pokemon. No, Pokemon's 90s, man. That's 20 years old. Squirtle Turtle. Keep talking. I gotta check the latch. Good idea. Okay, so audience, now uh, it's... Um, He's now working for Diesel, and it's time to get his pay of $40. And so she goes, hey, why don't you get a lube job? And he goes, oh, that feels good. And so they're servicing him now. Uh, And what will be the rub is that she's actually charging him. That feels kind of good. Kind of feels kind of good. Yeah, it's probably illegal. Air freshener. Air freshener. What's the smell? Hi. Don't you feel like you're driving through the house? Uh, wax? Hey! <laughs> the wax tickles him. Okay, okay. That's enough. You look fantastic. Now he's got his lube, he's got his wax, he's got his air freshener. And all of this, he doesn't know, is costing money. Eighty bucks for the day. Eighty bucks for the day. Okay, we start with eighty. Start and the oh maximum is thirty bucks. Why? Four stars out. Two is forty bucks. What? What a ripoff! What's happened? Yeah, what's happened here? He says, like, okay, I worked today. Time to give me my eighty bucks. And then she goes, okay. Hey, you need a lube job. And she like starts doing all this work on him. And then at the end, you know, which is implied free. I mean, she didn't say anything. Yeah. And now it's like, you owe me $10, Sparky. <laughs> <laughs> now that's good writing. This guy is good. This guy's good. He's bad and he's good. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for this movie, but since it exists, right. you might as well make it good. So every time he goes to work for her, he works the day, and then somehow she zings him for a charge, and he ends up owing her. Oh, so he has to work the night shift? No, the day's over, and he's with the dad. Yeah. Trying to fucking rip you off at ten bucks yeah. like that? Fuck that yeah. shit. Ninety bucks. You know how much something in our universe would pay for ninety bucks? Yeah. Yeah. The cars in China. That's so. This is a strange movie. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think cars, the Pixar movies, ever talk about cash, right? They never be like, "Let's go to Italy for the race." I don't know. The airplane ticket's $40. 
Yeah, um, well, there was all that stuff about, uh, what'd you call his name? Flash Mangoon. What was his name? Oh, it's Steve McQueen. No, Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. It's, there's all that stuff about, you're a star, you're a big D, you know, you have these TV deals. So I guess the money's just implied. Right, but they never, they never gave a dollar amount in the, the Cars movies. They never said, oh. What's his name? Flash Mangoon? What's his, <laughs> what's his name? And his friend Tater. If I'm oh, yeah. lying, I'm crying. If I'm lying, I'm, I'm crying. I'm a stereotype. Oh, my God. Did you see him in the toilets in Japan? It was so embarrassing. He's like, check <laughs> out, there's a water squirting up here. Oh, now that's like Europe's bidet, but in in Asia, you squat to poop. Right. They have a different world over there. But they my have, kid went to Thailand. But they were making jokes of like Japanese toilets, you know, like how they have like these these fancy toilets that will uh, mm-hmm. play music and squirt water up there. It is Isn't it, it Mater? Mater? Tater, right? The tow truck. Yeah. Okay, so now this car has been on a diet of diesel's gas, and. Um, he doesn't feel so. Oh, oh, it's the big date. It's the. I mean, it's the big ask out. Ooh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> Good. Says so the blue car, the guy, and the red yeah. car is the girl. Yeah, it's sort of purple, right? Yeah. My sandals My radiator So he's gonna invite her to the circus, I think. Right. On there's Friday. A there isn't much else to do. Do you want to look at some cacti? <laughs> Mobiles Cacti Dash, that's his name, Dash Oh, from The Incredibles, Dash? What? The Dash from The Incredibles? Dash, I don't know I, uh, Dash is the name of a car that she's hung up on It's also the name of the little boy but you know what, Zipper? Uh-huh. I have to open myself to the possibility of meeting Mr. Wright Blah, blah, blah Dash is also uh, a hyphen what do you mean? <laughs> well, it's a character. Uh, it's an ASCII character on your keyboard, Dash. Oh, <laughs> right. Gotcha. It's a hyphen. Well, you know what I say. Don't believe the hyphens. Don't believe the hyphens. <laughs> Don't believe the hy- News abuse. <laughs> Don't, Don't believe the hyphen. Don't believe the hyphen. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, that's the best joke I can muster. I'm still refused to blow a fuse. Nice. Yeah, boy. Don't believe the hyphen. <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. 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 Don't believe the hyphen. Nice. Well, I'm that glad we really got something. great, great band, man. Oh, yeah. So called Chosen Frozen. What was it? Crucifixion so, uh, ain't no fiction. So-called frozen, <laughs> chosen frozen. Apologies given no, to whoever course. needs them. But they still got me like Jesus. You're right. Yeah. That's right. That was when What's they What's his name? Chuck D? Chuck D, that's it. Now, of course, I'm the whitest white boy, so I never heard of them until uh, Do the Right Thing. Right. But that's all I needed to hear was that um, Fight the Power song to, like, well, you didn't Google things back then. I don't know how it happened, but I absolutely got into Public Enemy. And I, it, it was like I got the record Fear of a Black Planet. Yeah, that's and I was a like, great... yeah, I, I have that. I, I have that. Oh, you have a little Fear of a Black Planet? That's a great album. Yeah. Yeah. 
So something's happening. I'm sorry. We should be a better movie show. It's uh, basically she's buying the circus. And I need to talk to you right away. Officer Clutch, I need to talk to you right away. After the tone. Four Star Depot is engaged in all sorts of illegal activity. That's the running gag. The cops never there. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Listen, I I want to just uh, saying, Michael. I just want to say something to Michael Schlepp. Yeah. And I know I've said it before, but Michael, Michael, you've got talent, dude. Michael, break out on your own. Get you've made your money. You've made your money, right? Yeah. Now you have creative freedom. Make that Titanic Make three. No, Michael, stop. No, Michael Schlepp, listen to me. Listen, don't Michael Schlepp, don't listen. Don't listen to Carl. <laughs> listen to me. It's a dead end. This thing, you're, gonna, you're, you're miring in mediocrity. Nobody's going to remember the name Michael Schlepp. Look, go to Bear Lizard Radio and listen to them rave about you. They spent 10 minutes on you complimenting listen, Michael, you. don't listen to my colleague, Carl. Watch the <laughs> movie Incredibles. <laughs> Take notes and then come up with a movie called Incredibles Three, but the word Incredibles <laughs> has quotation marks around it. <laughs> right. Yeah, the un uncredibles. That's what you are currently, Michael. Please, Mr. Schlepp. Hey, Mr. Schlepp. He's in New York. He's in New York. I can probably if find. If you're him. listening, you should really make the really good dinosaur movie. You know what I'm saying? The really good dinosaur. Yeah. There you um, go. Let's see. What's the I opposite of Ice Age? Right. Oh, yeah, Stone Age. Global Warning 3. With the, the squirrel is after the, uh, the the walnut. I heard a comedian, and I'm doing it to Carl, uh, who's here on Muni Radio, and said there were so many Ice Age movies, the most recent one took place during the present day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Might have been Land Before Time. A dinosaur movie taking place in the current day, it would be like an alligator... Uh, it would be birds, right? Wasn't there an alligator, uh, a modern-day dinosaur movie? Oh, there's Jurassic Park, I guess. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Now, he's uh, blue, who has his blue balls, is discovering that <laughs> uh, Purple <laughs> wants to go to the circus. So he's like, I'll get tickets. Really? I've never been. You should go. Uh, I should take you. Huh? Uh, you? Yeah, uh, I like this movie. Uh, I don't know, Creeper. Most movies have like sound music playing behind the scenes, but not this one. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you just heard the bass line, right? That one? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the one. Okay, there. Uh, this uh, Diesel has been running them out of business, and now here's the banker with the big. You know, like bad news. And uh, sure. Listen, about this month's loan payment. Ta da da da. See, so he's feeling the pressure. They really should have got John Mulaney to do this. I don't At least think they'd so. have the credit. You think John Mulaney would have done it? No, of course not. I mean, I don't know him personally. Maybe a paycheck's a paycheck, but no, somehow I don't think he would have done it. I don't think it. a paycheck from these guys is going to be worth that much. I don't think Sparkplug is going to be like, here's 50000 Well, Trixie from Speed Racer did it. Trixie from Speed Racer? Oh, yeah. She. <laughs> oh, excuse me. 
Oh, alright. Oh, Trixie from Speed Racer, eh? The original, no less. <laughs> yeah, the original. Do you think, like, during the breaks, he's like, I should have been Rocky the Squirrel. Fucking June Foray took my <laughs> shit. That sounds right. Yeah. Oh, no, she's talking about June Foray again. Fucking oh, But I don't think that, um, like you were saying last show, I, kids won't get, I don't know, kids, but, you know, a 25-year-old, these references, Bullwinkle, what's that, you know? Well, so it's a float in the parade on Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, it was a movie starring uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh-huh, Bullwinkle. You ever see that live-action Bullwinkle? Yeah, it was terrible. I was in Chicago when they were filming that, and we were on this boat uh, going through those canals they have there, and we had to stop and wait for 40 minutes as they launched. Do you remember the car launches over the water? Among many things, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we, 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 we didn't even get to see it. It was like around the corner. Did you we see had Bullwinkle? to wait while they filmed that What's scene. What's Bullwinkle like? Was he nice? Did in he person? Your, yeah, in person. Did he sign your autograph? He snubbed me. He snubbed me. I don't Fucking know. Nice. He turns up his nose, and all you see is that weird mouth he has. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and his pal, man. What a drug addict. Yeah. <laughs> That's really true. Being his friend was really a mistake. <laughs> He's I a junkie, feel. too. He's like, hey, Rocky, watch me pull a clean needle out of my hat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, th th nobody will be getting what we're talking about. Even the live-action film we reference, people won't know. That live-action film consisted of like Whoopi Goldberg going, "You're you're the moose. I loved your show growing up." I mean, that was the actual dialogue. Everyone recognized. Yeah. It was that uh, fearless leader wanted to make shitty, bad entertainment on TV that idiots will like. And Rocky and Bullwinkle. It was a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, it was for little kids. I think it, I think some of it. Like I, I tried to watch it in earnest. I mean, I thought it, I was very excited. There was a live action Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, me too. I went to it, and it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, I think that De Niro played Boris. No, he played uh, Fearless Leader. Oh, okay. it was Jason well, Alexander. Was in the, okay, wait. I have to tell you now. The turtle is in the car. Oh, the yeah. He's inside of her. So that little subplot, she's finally figured out how to jump the ramp successfully, and now the turtle goes for a ride every time. The tortoise, I should say. Turtles are in water, and tortoise... Uh-oh, cop is here. Oh, finally. Diesel is on a one-car crime spree. I'm here to investigate the place of watered-down gas. That must be an Italian car. So many customers. So I didn't tell you a little plot point earlier when Sparky was in the employee of the father, he was always coming up with little ideas like uh, webcams so that people would know if the station was full or closed, right? So in the middle of the night, uh, the little minions of Diesel watered down the gas, and then Diesel whispered in the cop's ear, he's got watered down gas, exactly what she's guilty of. He's testing the water now. Uh, testing the gas now and, right. and confirms Is that uh, our hero, the dad, Fender, he gets booted. Oh, the cops put a boot on him? Degrading. Yeah. Degrading. 
know, he's getting accused, you know, accused of the crime that she commits. Uh, she's a complex villain, and she's good. And uh, Michael Schlepp. Michael Schlepp. This, ev- this movie is evidence. You're bigger than this, man. You can do it. Here's the movie. You, you, it's you called branch out on your own. Frozen 2. The release at the same time <laughs> Frozen 2 comes out. Listen to me, Michael Schlepp. Yeah, right. It could be like... Uh, there's Roses, and it's the second time you made this. Frozen 2. Well, not frozen. Like, what would it be? Like, lukewarm? No, like uh, <laughs> ice cold. What would? <laughs> really cold. Yeah, right. Ice. Re- really cold. Really too. cold too. Yeah. Thirty-two degrees <laughs> too. Okay, so now car's gonna get rejected. Dash might be coming on Friday. Let's go Saturday. Good one. He got I'm friendly. proud of you. Yeah, he was a little prat. Don't you're not gonna put up with that. Oh, I would have I would have handled it much differently. I would have said, I'm taking these circus tickets and a couple of prostitutes and we're going to the circus. <laughs> Give me that ticket sack. Prostitutes like circuses, you should know. Prosti- they do because there's prostitution rings, circus yeah. rings. Circus rings, prostitution rings. So the bank is going to like foreclose and she's going to get the property and she's knocking down the – okay, so now uh, Sparky is letting it be known that he's got them on tape watering down the gas. She's busted. Okay. Oh, this is the last straw. Calling the cops. Can you get it? You get the joke? Yeah, because 911 is a joke. I know who wanted to like that. 911 is a joke. <laughs> See, what's funny is it is a literal callback. <laughs> oh, God. Right. When it takes uh, I did that in an open mic set. Uh, the joke didn't really I, – I, I, I was telling my jokes, and then I said I called my wife, but I got her voicemail, so I left a message. And then I went on with my jokes, and then later in the set I said, my wife um, called me back, and then I go, that's the callback. <laughs> Some people chuckled, but it didn't. That was a callback to it your died. first joke when you called your wife. Yeah. yeah, right, which wasn't a joke. It was just a call, and then I got a call back, and then I say that was a callback, and uh, people were just, I don't know. I appreciate, I appreciate your humor, Carl. It's keeping me awake right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look There's at been eight off. million jokes that have died at the open mic. Oh my god! Every week I write five minutes, and like three work. You know, so you keep them in the bucket, but uh, there's so many jokes that have not worked. My the god. worst is like you try a joke out, and not only does it not work, but people like remember that joke, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> don't Thanks. no, I tried it, it didn't work. Don't remember it. Yeah, that's right. One time uh, I got a bunch of people together to watch Fish Burgers. They just happened to be over Tom Kroll's house. And remember that? I don't know if you remember it. You weren't on the show at the time. I I go to the ATM, and it humiliates me because, you know, like I I ask to take out $200, and it's like, uh, you need to get a job. Yeah, no, I've seen that. This is We're referring to a uh, public access television show 
shot in New Jersey 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember that. But I mean, the, the, that show had like Saddam Hussein fighting the Terminator. And I mean, there were a million great bits in that Fishburgers episode. But the Tom Kroll's friends, every time they see me, they go, hey, yeah, I can relate to that ATM joke. That's the lamest joke That's in the whole the lamest. <sighs> we were playing tennis with like uh, the beach ball. And there was funny stuff in that, you know, Sonny fell. I, I slipped down the stairs in that episode. And uh don't remember my worst joke. I remember you falling down the stairs. That was pretty funny. And act as if it's the best joke. So this is Diesel is like goading Sparky right now. Well, right now it's one more time he's going to get his pay. And could take a better paying job at one of my other companies. So he goes to get his pay, and it's once again, you owe, you owe, you owe. And he's like, I quit. And she's like, well, you can't quit. You owe me 40 bucks. And so now she's, you know, she's got Sparky by the ball. So she's offering Sparky a job at one of her other companies. It happens to be the circus, and Weird. we're going to we're – we're leading up to the tragic moment at the circus. This is, now, this okay, is now, where, this is where uh, Dick Grayson Carr's parents get shot. While they were doing, uh, and he becomes Bat Robin. Dick Grayson, right? Dick yeah. Grayson, that was Robin. That was Robin. He uh, was he was a acrobat's son, and he was at the circus. Right. But his parents, the Flying Grayson, said, "Well, we don't want to pay this protection money that you're talking about. We're just good on his acrobats." And Weasley McGee was like, "Okay, I'm going to cut the rope." <laughs> cut the rope. And then That's there was right. that. That Batman episode where Robin confronts Greasy. I'm going to punch your face in. Robin, don't do it. Come yeah. on, Batman. This is your dream. I know. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of bullshit. And then when that Robin became like Nightwing or whatever, he had to go to the circus and find another Robin or something. I was not a DC guy. I read the Marvel comics. I mean, I bumped into the DC ones in like there would be some, uh, you know, how they would release the big books that were compilations sure. of that's, old. That's yeah, the ones so I catch up with. Right. Well, oh, you catch up, but I would be introduced for the first time, you know. That's how I knew Action Comics. and. Right. Which... Okay, so here they are at the circus, and um, Purple Car has ditched uh, Dash for Blue Ball's car. And the father's there in his boot and everything. Can I, can I ask you uh, a question? Yeah. When is this DVD menu going to stop so I can make a selection? Right. I, I've had enough of this can you setup. Take, can you take the CD-ROM out of the fucking DVD player, please? So there's the banker. We have all of our cast assembled. Right, all 12 of them. Now we find out that she's bought the circus. And she's not going to have the traditional act that they all love with the spinning cups and everything. She's going to have Sparky and the traditional act, Delilah. Well, you'll see in a minute. Why? It's like a death-defying Why, oh, why, Delilah? Oh, here we go. What? And we're going to have Sparky here suck his own dick. What? what? Whoa! Get out of here. I gotta see no, this. No, I wanted to see Otto Cungunalingus, and <laughs> you're gonna show me. Otto Felicio. It's a car blowing himself. 
<laughs> which is something that's possible. Yeah, the unlike autoconolingus. I guess you could do autoconolingus. You would just have to. Be I don't think you can reach. I mean, uh, I I don't have the right equipment, but okay. So they're on this um, treadmill. Yes. And they have to speed up because if they slow down, they'll go uh, backwards into the jaws of death. Ooh, it's with vertical sideways closers to make it even more intimidating. And so this is what uh, Michael Schlepp has given us, death in a kid's show. Uh, it's more apparel. This is nothing that you haven't seen Penelope go through. It's like those cliffhangers, like those serial movies. Um, you might be right about Penelope because she was like tied to the tracks. Yeah. No, but that was live action, uh, silent movie stuff. Uh, well, Penelope Pit Stop was. Penelope Pit Stop from Wacky Oh, that Reason. is what you're talking about? No, the, I was talking about Perils of, I was, I was thinking more Perils of Penelope, the old, like, silent movie thrillers. Perli Perils of Perli uh, Perils of, okay, but that wasn't a cartoon, uh. No, it wasn't. But it was the same idea. Like it was meant for kids, and I don't know if those old-timey movies were meant for kids, but they just they hit the. They became part of kids' culture. No, it was well. They did like Channel Nine after uh, Channel Nine. Saturday morning cartoons. Well, they would do like they would say, "Well, it's an old-timey movie. It's for kids. It's a silent movie. Silent movies are for kids." And you know. Right. So that's why you should Okay, watch so there's animation. a button that stops the treadmill, and the father is trying to save his son's life. And do you remember that, for no reason, explosive material at the gas station? Yes, you mentioned that. Why? What yeah, does that have so to do with this scene? Michael Schlepp is going to save them from death by doing a massive explosion in a children's movie. Listen, Schlepp, don't listen to Carl. I want to see Spider Stan into the Spider Stan verse. Right, Spider Stan verse. Okay, so here comes the toxic explosive chemicals barrel rolling. The gas pumps listened to the dad and rolled it. That truck with the chandelier candles, that's the banker? No, the banker's the blue car. That chandelier one I sort of overlooked. He's part of that surfer dude situation. Uh, now, watch, he's going to flick it. So yeah. why doesn't it blow up when he's flicking it? That's he, inexplicable. Those are some strong fins. But right, when they hit the machinery, they it instantly blows up. Boom! Gnarly! Catch Everybody a wave! Saved. Yeah. Well, the kid, I might be wrong about that candelabra car. It might be part of the circus. I wish my brother uh, George was here. Do you think they moved the camera for the explosion? Because yeah, they shook the camera, right? <laughs> yeah, same buddy. <laughs> they were filming the, the 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 monitor screen, and they shook the camera. Uh, hey, oh, so this is her. She she's gonna get her comeuppance now. Come, boy. Yeah, she was foiled, but no! now they're tearing it down. Right. They're destroying his 50-year sign. Been up for 50 years. What does She's that even mean? Is it Sunoco? How can they see it in the tent? I don't know. Because that was outside. Oh, yeah, there's a little Right, the box. tent, was it, was it was far away. It was a long drive, and then somehow it, it's now next to the gas station. I don't understand that, but 
And look, they're chopping up the gas station, like, using violence. Look, he's got a gun. Yeah. In show. For poisoning my dad? Oh, right now he's saying, I'm arresting Diesel. And they're like, for this, for that, for all these crimes. And he goes, no, her registration has expired. It's a funny <laughs> Her blink single is broken. Right. Now we're getting our epilogue. I'm playing the cars on this freeway. The Doppler effect. Sorry, I about the bull. Oh, he is a boy, yo. Officer Irishcar. The ramp has been opened, and Sparky's got his wish. He can now. This car's like, give me your healthy gas, and. The gas pump, who I didn't tell you about the setup, he doesn't yeah. want to be alone. Right. They took uh, Diesel's gas pump, and now he has a friend, a girlfriend. Oh. So Sparky got his chance to go on the highway because they opened up Route 40, and now he can go like 70 miles per hour, one of his big dreams. And he's going to come back and go, eh, it was a little boring. <laughs> oh, now we're. Now we're going to see the good kids' ramp stuff pay off. Okay, cool. See, so now we're having the father-son resolution. I guess you were right about a bunch of stuff, Dad, and I just had to find out for myself. I should have listened to you all along, that kind of thing. All right, I just got my, uh, I just refilled my prescription on the phone. So this is a Uh very productive movie. Very good. Very yeah. good. So getting your to-do list done. Yeah, hey, you could thank my low blood pressure because of this movie. Look at this. How did they even draw it? Where did they get the kids? Where do they have the, you know, see holding a crayon? <laughs> so now it's like, would you ride with me? With me until the strap hits you and fart. Oh, Zipper. He said fart? <laughs> That it's like a fake wedding thing. Yeah, you know? like, will you be my partner on the road? Yeah. Until we fart. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird that they know wedding vows or that they fart. I've heard cars backfire. Okay, here's finally the payoff of the ramp. They're going to kick those British claymation cars' ass. Whoa. Is there a turtle in there? No. There should have been. Yeah. A little payoff would it hurt. Right, it really, I don't know what you're thinking, Michael Schlepp, but. I know what you're thinking, Michael Schlepp. 1.01 Dalmatians. <laughs> yeah, remember Ten. Disney itself did 105 Dalmatians? Yeah. You're going to make can... a coat? Right, it was a coat and then like a, oh, here we go. Well, thank you guys, we did it. We talked over a movie. <laughs> Starring Corrine Orr, who was Trixie. 
Who? Cor Vidal. Oh, James Vidal. Yeah, James Vidal, the brother. Background by nobody. By Getty Images. Wow, Carl, we did it. Yeah. We watched. I don't know if you're proud, but you sound proud. I'm not proud. <laughs> what do you think of that? Oh, my God, the end credits are even cheaper than the movie. <laughs> yeah. What do you think um, of uh, Carl's life, too? I think that it shows Michael Schlepp's potential as an independent individual. And uh, I think that this should be his, uh, uh, you know, he should come out of the chrysalis and turn into a butterfly now, I feel. Well, that's a really good po- that's a really good point. <laughs> He's been germinating in there for a long time. There's time been so out. many Pixar movies released since this. I have, where's Wall <laughs> F? Uh, <laughs> yeah, where's Wall F? <laughs> good one. Let's just slept. Keep Not doing what you're doing. Oh, you're thinking of where Waldo? Uh, what was that movie called? Oh, Wally. Wally. Mm-hmm. That's right. Wall F. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. There's their movie Brave. We could do like uh, Braver. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brave. What? Milan, right? Yeah. Uh, I can't think of what. Milan. It's a girl. Milan. <laughs> wow. We got. We have notes, Michael Schlepp. Uh, you should talk yeah. to us. Listen, Michael Schlepp. Good job. Good job. This he was keeps a good saying job. That. I mean, it's uh, you know. <laughs> I'm telling you, Mike, you come out on your own. I'll support you. Uh, I live right here in Jersey, very close to Manhattan. I will <laughs> get your back, buddy. <laughs> uh, you could do water, man. Well, all right. I am so glad. Yeah, you could come by and do Carl's show about a stream of water as a – is he a <laughs> cop or a private detective? He is uh, – well, that's the thing. He's a cop. And then the pilot episode, he becomes a superhero. That it's his origin story Ooh. without telling his origin. It's very funny. You have a stream of water going inside a kitchen while smashing up shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it's all shot. It's in the editing stage right oh, now. Oh, I'm really excited. I'm excited. And I did, I did the voiceover stuff. And oh yeah, you're. Uh, people say you're a regular forward. Michael Schlepp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So moving forward, uh, next week's movie. I would like to do this film. Uh, I don't have a trailer, but I have a three-minute clip from Warner Archives. It's a movie from 1980 called Simon. Okay, 1980. Yeah, Simon. Simon. Yeah. Like and this Simon is said. Alan uh, Arkin, who I think they they strip him of his humanity. They turn. They do an experiment where he ceases to be. I don't remember. So let's listen to this okay. tr- clip. Alan Arkin. What yeah. what's what what do I search for? Simon preview clip Warner Archives. Warner I should find it. I'll wait for you. Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. Right, that's it. This is great, Alan Arkin, thank you. Things here are just not working out very well. Your jobs are boring, your food is bland. Your water's polluted and your relationships don't work. Is that not right? And the question is, how have things come to such a sorry state of affairs? I will tell you. There is too much bad stuff around. 
bad food, good, good. bad drink, bad art, bad ideas. Everything's all clogged up. So what we're going to do is we're going to get rid of all the bad stuff, and that will be a very good beginning. Now, I have your list of things which I'd like written in the Constitution immediately, after which I promise you your lives will be less tense and more rewarding. One, Wallace Shawn is music in elevators, airports, restaurants, and other public rooms will cease immediately. Two, no more children or animals may be used to sell products. Three, lawyers who lose cases will go to jail with their clients. Nice. No doctor may write a diet book. Any doctor who does will immediately lose his license and become a dentist. Five, I think we don't really <laughs> need a House of Representatives and a Senate. The Romans didn't have one, so let's just have a Senate, okay? Which reminds me. I think it would be a very good idea from now on all politicians who appeared in public wore a cone-shaped party hat. Not bad, huh? <laughs> Six, pollution. Anybody who owns a factory that makes radioactive waste has to take it home at night with him to his house. Seven, good one. Anybody who says, I'm trying to get centered, you are invading my space, or far out, will be fined $50. Wow, that's $50. a lot of money back then. <laughs> I feel Simon is basically expressing the unconscious wishes of the public, basically. What are your feelings on that, Senator? Dick Cavett. Okay, good <laughs> Dick. I think the fella's dangerous. Dick Cavett, wow. Look, that politician was wearing a pointy hat. <laughs> Very good. Party hat. Ooh, he's on the cover of Rolling Stone and Hunter Thompson wrote it. Oh, he's in a lot of popular magazines. So Dick Cavett in person once, he was ancient. William Buckley. Yeah. So, this one, oh, I have to go more slowly, because you're going to disturb Oh, I like that actor. You're upset, Carl. I understand You like Carl? I just think we should meet and go over your material before you broadcast I know his face. No, that's quite impossible. Why? Because now I have to speak with someone in authority. I'm in authority. Yes, Carl, of course you are. That's why I want you to set up a meeting with the president, the Chinese premier, Pope Walter Cronkite. Oh it's man! Oh too. God, my sides! That Walter <laughs> Cronkite reference really just. So that's the movie. It came out in 1980. Marshall Brickman, who uh, was best known for co-writing Annie Hall, uh, he's also a noted filmmaker himself. Uh, wrote and directed this movie. I think it's like they convince a man he's an alien. Uh huh. And it doesn't look good. But I'd never heard of it and. <coughs> came out in 1980 i should have remembered it that yeah that's opposite your premise oh yeah you're right well i could always <laughs> change the movie but that no like, no that, i like this alan arkin wallace sean this want, is gonna be good it's a but it's a comedy we can't riff comedies well uh well, we hey, could give me a chance give me a chance the car's life too all right ladies and gentlemen well that has been our show i hope you enjoyed the uh, the experience as much as we didn't uh, <laughs> uh, such a weird little movie but now I know what to expect when I go into see Cars Life 3 uh, we are L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T you can find us on Twitter on on your podcast everywhere around the internet and the world uh, Carl and I will be back next Sunday any exciting shows that people should know about yeah that radio contest cancelled will I what? ever win yeah, so, technically so we're looking lost. forward to hosting Scotty's, that's all. Yeah, and actually my show at 8 o'clock on Monday is canceled. We have a new show Aww. 
called like High Times or something, uh, Spirit something. It sounds good. High Spirits, I believe it's called. Uh, okay. it's, that's happening on Monday at 8. So no longer will I have to hang around the station on a Monday night. Carl, what a pleasure. Um, I hope you had a good time. Thank you so much. Me too. Yeah, same here. And thank you, audience, as thank always. You. And we'll be back next Sunday, 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm and as well as the podcast LWAFLMOYT. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, audience. Bye-bye. Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, Welcome to the Weekly Review. I have two guests here who have joined me. Please introduce yourselves. My name is Lenora Lee. And my name is Hien Huynh. Thanks for being here. And there's an upcoming dance performance that we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So you joined us uh, a few months ago. It's hard to keep track of the time these days. Um, and the last performance we saw was just really impactful. It was over on Angel Island. And I just, ugh, I can't say how touching it was it was just really incredible so what were your thoughts about that as an experience <sighs> for an audience member um and first we should also 
the full name of the performance was within these walls and we created a sequel named yes. dreams of flight yes it yeah. was a, an immersive multimedia dance performance that was staged at the angel island immigration station on angel island state park yeah mm -hmm. um it was my first time being to angel island so just being in that in that space in nature that's so close to us felt pretty um it just felt like a lot to be there in that space and then also to be in the particular environment where folks had lived. I think I could really feel the energy of what had taken place there. Mm -hmm. And so it brought, uh, it's difficult to put into words. It felt like, I just felt like all these emotions being in this space and then seeing, hearing these stories, hearing people's words shared and interacting with the dancers and having, sharing, it just felt, there are so many different, it's difficult, yeah, it's difficult to put into words. It just felt like it was touching on so many senses because it wasn't just visual, it wasn't just audio, it was more, it was interactive as well and then also spiritual, I think, to be in the same place that people were before and to not be there at the same time as them and still to witness them in a way. That particular immigration station was open between 1910 and 1940. Uh, it burned down, the administration building burned down in 1940, so they moved it to the mainland. But during that time, there were approximately a million immigrants processed at that station, which most people, I think, maybe even from the Bay Area, don't know about. Mm -hmm. And so of those million immigrants, about 170,000 were Chinese. And because there was a Chinese Exclusion Act in place, um, many of the Chinese were held under scrutiny and held there for much m longer periods of time. And they were uh, interrogated and basically imprisoned until they can prove their innocence. And maybe Hien was in the piece for uh, both renditions, mm -hmm. both in s 2017 and in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I think he can talk a little bit about um, maybe the the differences between both of those performances, even though we restaged it for this past May, uh, we added a sequel, but there were differences in the actual um, approach to the audience members and the way that we came kind of charged and activated the second time, um, empowered with a lot of information from the first round, but also realizing that w you know we had this ability to contribute to this dialogue and what in terms of what's happening in the current current time yeah the the first time we performed it yeah we had no idea of of its reach and its profound um, impact in that moment so the second time coming around this year performing it we knew what was at stake and we we tried our best to dive deeper into um, the, those the stories that we were sharing and um, Lenora gave me the opportunity to also meet with um, the mother of the person who, uh, whose character mm. I was based off of. So w we had a, a lunch date together oh. and she shared with us a bit more of, of what happened to him after. And so with all that information in mind and what it felt to have lunch with her, then to go on to performing the piece the second time around, it was was new <laughs> it yeah. was new and it felt um deeper and i think this time we ended on a much more hopeful tone mm -hmm. um, um a sense of spaciousness and and um allowance um 
um, and hope. Yeah. Yeah, Hien played the character of Wang Gongju, and uh, his daughter, Penelope Wang, mm. was able to, during that luncheon, share quite a bit about her father, um, who he was as a person, his character, his accomplishments. Um, she gave some hints as to what his mm, detention time could have been like and how he was a bit of a dreamer and he was always looking for um, that sense of hope and accomplishment and um, working really hard and achieving. So it was exciting to then build the sequel with this knowledge mm -hmm. and then to have certain sequences feature family, old family photos of him and um, the rest of their kin and uh, for Hien to be able to embody the, the essence of him mm -hmm. more. Yeah, it, it was quite exciting and um, just a note on that, this year we received two awards. Oh. So Hien received, you wanna just talk about your award? Yeah. <laughs> well, the piece itself from 2017 won um, an Outstanding Production Award from the Isadora Duncan Dance Awards Committee. Mm -hmm. And this was the first, we were the first recipients of it. It's a brand new category. And what it represents is a high level of achievement in all of the categories, whether that's choreography, performance, um, visual design, um, text and music. So they felt it was at a high level for all the categories. And we're very honored to have received that one. And he and won a special award as well for his performance. Yeah, it was, it was just very special to be with um, the whole cast and production there and to feel, you know, the, the work being shared and, and recognized on that level and to, to see that, you know, when we can go out and and um, share such important stories and, and, and feel the community receive it that way and, and then to be honored right back, it was definitely um, a, a very beautiful evening. And um, my, my mother was in town uh, mm -hmm. that week. And, you know, at that time I had no idea. Uh, I, re I received the nomination, but I had no idea what the results were. So she came to the ceremony too. And then when they announced the name, uh, I was able to bring her up on stage. And I, it made my life <laughs> to see how happy she was and how, how proud she was. Beautiful. Congratulations. You oh, both. yeah. Thank that's, you. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it was a really touching performance. Mm, and so you're also here to uh, speak about the new performance that you have coming up the first weekend of November. Yes. Next weekend, November 1st through mm -hmm. 3rd, we're performing a brand new piece entitled In the Skin of Her Hands at mm -hmm. Dance Mission Theater, which is just a few blocks away from here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be utilizing the different rooms in Dance Mission. They have a theater as well as two studios. So in the first half of the program, the audience members will get a chance to travel through the different rooms oh, wow. and to take a look at um, the vignettes and scenarios that we've been setting up. Mm -hmm. So for this piece, it's inspired by the experiences of those dealing with cancer, battling cancer, mm -hmm. specifically breast cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the last two months, I had the opportunity to interview 31 people um, some of them are cancer survivors and some are family members. Mm -hmm. Also uh, an oncologist and two physical therapists. 
and um, it's been an incredible process. I would have to say that I've learned so much, you know, from people, what people are willing to share mm -hmm. about what they've gone through, and everyone has had very different experiences. Um, some people have had, you know, very harsh physical dealings and um, um, chemotherapy and radiation, and others have had a lighter load in dealing with the illness. But regardless, there was just um, so much richness to what they were sharing um, that we're including a lot of the voiceover bits of their stories within the piece. So you'll hear in the sound score, probably almost everybody, mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty much almost everybody in there sharing things. Um, I could talk a little bit about, you know, some commonalities, but also differences between them. And I'd actually, maybe while he and talks a little bit, I can open up some audio sure. from the interviews and, and prepare that for you. Yeah. So maybe he and can talk a little bit about the genesis of the project and um, yeah. how we've created the work so yeah. far. Yeah, I'm curious as to what inspired it. Yeah, yeah so um, yeah, Lenora uh, opened up and shared with us that her, her sister Karina was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so this that sort of set the tone of how you know important and, and how uh, close this work was going to be. And so, at that, in that realm too, we um, had an opportunity to um, take a workshop with um, aerial dance company Bandaloop. Mm -hmm. And so we, we trained with them for, um, for the beginning of the year and some of us trained during the summer. So we, we learned how to, to essentially fly. <laughs> and um, yeah, just seeing how much Lenora took on because she's, you know, they're interviewing over 30 people and hearing yeah. all these different stories and perspectives. And we couldn't, I couldn't even imagine how heavy that could be. You yes, know, I'm just yes. here in, in the dance studio, just hearing the, the stories and narratives play, but I can't even imagine, you know, actually meeting each and every one and, and, you know, being with their stories. So in this sense, this project feels huge. And in how there's just um, so many affected and yeah. so many family members, it just everyone is is together on this. Yes. Yeah, and and I very very much look forward to opening day or the whole weekend as well, because I could just imagine, you know, that those that are being interviewed are showing up, their family, their loved ones. So it's just. To me, it's like a, a gathering, uh, a gathering and, and just showing up to support and, and fight for this cause. Yeah, it is, a, it is something that I think affects every, like I, I can't, I don't think I know someone who doesn't, hasn't, who doesn't know someone who has been affected by breast cancer. It feels like it's such a unfortunately ubiquitous disease that it's, yes, it's affected so many people. <sighs> yeah, so uh, what you're about to hear uh, is an excerpt of something that we did. We performed an excerpt at the Jurassic Resident Artist Program in Woodside, California last weekend. And mm -hmm. so the excerpt that you will hear right now 
is from a woman named Valerie So. She's a professor and a filmmaker at San Francisco State University. And um, her thoughts on her experiences with breast cancer. social media and so I posted it on social media <laughs> pretty much uh, as soon as I started treatment and then I would and, and then after a while I started posting a lot on social media like I would post like when I was doing my chemo or like you know my various hair or hats or wigs or whatever and I think people enjoyed sort of following that journey for whatever reason um, so for me it was always very transparent uh, I have another friend who's got it's some form of leukemia, and she's gone through treatment twice. Like, she's done that thing where they take out, like, do something to the bone marrow, and then she has to be in isolation for a month. Like, really intense. And she said she thinks it's really important for people to know when you have cancer because she thinks it's a public health crisis, right? She thinks it's not just, like, people don't just happen to be getting this. There's, like, environmental reasons why people are getting this all the time. And so for her, it was almost like this thing was like she wants people to know that something can needs to be done. Right. Some people worry about job security, too, like if they're going to be discriminated against because they're sick. And again, you know, I'm really lucky because I am in a position where I have job security and I'm protected. So, But I could see that. I mean, they can't legally fire you, but they could certainly do find other ways to let you go. So that was really helpful for me just to not worry so much about why it happened because then what happens is you stop thinking it's something I did, right? It's something I'm, I have to blame myself for some flaw in my life. Mm -hmm. And then for me, it was just like getting through it at that point. It was just always thinking, focusing on getting through whatever treatment I was doing. Yeah, so that was um, an excerpt from Valerie So's interview. And what you'll hear right now are um, two sections. One is um, from a woman who uh, shared about her experience, and then from an oncologist who I interviewed. Her name is uh, Pamela Munster. She works at UCSF. She's a researcher and an oncologist. And she had a lot of insight in terms of sharing about what her patients deal with, and she's written a book as well. So we can go ahead and listen to that. In oncology, where there are things coming up all the time, new information, nothing is 100% right. I think that caretakers try their best, but the knowledge platform is always changing, which is a good thing. I think we are learning more all the time My name is Pamela Munster. I'm a Swiss native. I came to the U.S. when I was 28. I, my professional life is really focused on developing the treatment for people with advanced cancer. My focus is actually breast cancer. And then I have a particular interest in, in younger women and fertility and, and hereditary cancer. So it was quite surprising that I was then diagnosed with breast cancer at 48 and it was all like not even um, that I met any criteria. We know we don't have a large cancer family. My father's a single child. So I found out that I have a, a BRCA2 mutation. So 
all of a sudden I found myself with the ADHD either I'm really an expert in and I was an interesting um, position to be in you know on one hand I knew so much about this disease um, and on the other hand as a, as a patient you realize how little you one actually knows so I wrote a book Shifting Fate about the uh, the perspective as a physician and patient mm -hmm. and uh, and a lot of uh, what I'm going through is like really through the initial stages of, of what the patient experience what the medical science behind this but then also how this phenomenon of the cancer blues mm -hmm. uh, how how significant the the heart depression heart um, it's not just depression it's this incredible uncertainty depression is just one part but there's a there's another really strong feeling that's really hard to place or explain to someone mm -hmm. unless you have been there and that's this uncertainty that comes with the loss of your immortality and that sort of like black vertex that people fall into i think everyone has to find their own ways of self-calming or or accepting for some people it's thirst for some people it's friendship and for other people it's exercise mm -hmm. and hopefully for many it's all of them and I think a lot of it is time the the way to acceptance is it's uh, not uh, not easy and you know I grew up in in, in Switzerland mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more pressure on people in the US to be happy and that is particularly prevalent in California California is my absolute favorite place to live, but it's also um, a challenging environment to live in. There's a sense here, the sky is the limit, but that also gives you that need to constantly reach for the sky right? when you could allow yourself a day of non-reaching. You know, there's, uh, there's clearly there's, uh, there's factors that are well known and they are clear and there's nothing much you can do about it. And one of them is like, having a hereditary cancer mutation like BRCA1 and 2 are the highest risk for, for breast cancer. Like you have BRCA1 and 2 mutation, you have a 70% risk of having cancer, breast cancer over life. And then there's other mutations that have a lower risk in the 20 to 40% just like ATM check to uh, and many other mutations. And then of course there are environmental factors. Obesity. Alcohol has been associated with an increased risk of breast cancer and frankly excessive alcohol is bad for everybody because there's there's a lot of heart disease associated with obesity so it's not a liver doesn't like a lot of alcohol either and then other risk factors are um, excessive estrogen and progesterone e exposure has been associated but it's a, it's a magnitude lower than the hereditary mutations lack of exercise or sedentary lifestyle is clearly associated with an increased risk for breast cancer and exercise is valuable on so many levels that I, I would encourage every woman to exercise regularly. It just does a lot of good things for, all, for overall health, overall emotional well-being. Nice to go out with friends and walk through a forest and just sit in a cafe and smoke. So, um, and other risk factors are we don't know yet, maybe lack of sleep. Sleep has uh, become a much more well-known uh, of a risk uh, a negative health factor if you don't sleep enough how this pertains to breast cancer mm -hmm. is unclear 
some Scandinavian countries have now made breast cancer and shift worker uh, a uh, work-related illness. So and there's clearly emerging data on that. I think like on a medical front, we have a lot of good resources, a lot of good treatment, there's a lot of advances, and we make a lot of progress when it comes to breast cancer. When it comes to equipping people with the way to handle it, we do very poorly. And you know, mental health support in the US is abysmal at best. Right? It's like there's virtually no support, you know, like, uh, and uh, what I see a lot is um, when you have a mastectomy, the, the surgical impact is quite significant. We gotta get the awareness out there, the lymphatic yeah. system and how important it is. It's a second circulatory system that is so key and doing a whole body approach into making the body work as a whole unit is, is really so important. These treatments between chemo and radiation, you're killing a lot of cells and it all has to go through your whole lymphatic system. And the lymphatic system is what keeps us alive. It just can't process and clean everything out fast enough. So with my radiation, that was when I started having issues of swelling and you end up trapping a lot of fluids that doesn't get out unless you work on manually trying to get it moving out of the area. You gotta get the scar tissue broken down, you gotta get the fluid moving. With the radiation, now you get scarring, you got the swelling, and then of course you get the blistering. Swelling is a function of the ribs not moving. If you get the ribs moving, you're gonna use the whole body pump to start getting the whole vascular system moving because the lymphatic system runs with the vascular system. Well, you know, this is the funny thing about me is that I do a lot of social media. And so I posted it on social media pretty much as soon as I started treatment. And then, I would, and then after a while, I started posting a lot on social media. Like I would post like when I was getting my chemo or like, you know, my various hair or hats or wigs or whatever. And I think people enjoyed sort of following that journey for whatever reason. Um, so for me, it was always very transparent. Uh, I have another friend who's got it's some form of leukemia, and she's gone through treatment twice. Like she's done that thing where they take out, like do something to the bone marrow, and then she has to be in isolation for a month, like really intense. And she said she thinks it's really important for people to know when you have cancer because she thinks it's a public health crisis, right? She thinks it's not just like, people don't just happen to be getting this. There's like environmental reasons why people are getting this all the time. And so for her, it was almost like, So what you will hear in a second is a clip that I uh, recorded that we with talked my a sister bit about the word Carmina. Is, you know, and I think that it does describe uh, the initial onset of metastatic cancer because you're in this overwhelming dark place where you didn't even know that something has just taken over your entire body. You know, it's everywhere. It's in every bone in your body, in your organs. And you didn't even know that 
it was in there growing and all of a sudden you have this impending possibility of death and you have to pull your shit together <laughs> and swim and swim up towards the light and keep treading water and uh, find your way out of the abyss uh, holding it together being strong mentally and physically and it's not an overnight process it's uh, keep treading water and going towards the swimming towards the surface for months and months and months until you get a handle on this until you're a little bit lighter and you're floating a little bit easier you know until um, your body is fighting those cancer cells and and building a defense uh, uh, in your own body and so uh, that word it makes a lot of sense for for the first uh, I think year that sort of sums up the the struggle uh, of being thrown in the deep end and then having to either sink or swim. So, of course, uh, I chose to swim, uh, but, you know, and to come out ahead and floating and sort of relaxing now, relaxing and floating. <laughs> yeah. listening to Wake Radio on Mutiny Radio. But then I immediately got on my grandma. She worked two jobs for as long as I can remember. That example of being such a hard worker and coming from Colombia with barely anything. I mean, she has more than any of us financially and like assets and everything. Um, she has more than all of us put together, you know, and that's, that, that's very impressive. You know, I, I, and, and she worked for every single bit of it. You know, she's smart. You know, she's a very good businesswoman. Um, and she came knowing just Spanish. She is, she is feisty. She's a warrior. She's a go-getter. She, I think if Jeff can come knocking at her door, she will say, I'm busy, come back later. Like my little granddaughter says, she's strong, intelligent, fuerte, valiente, y inteligente, and uh, courageous. If there's anything I want to do, then I should go do it. Don't wait. I was at a low point, but now, after a year or two, now I'm relaxed, happy. Although I'm doing less work, the money is not the most important. The most important is if the person is living happily. I mean, literally, like, life is too short to put up with, with idiocy. Um, and I'm sure that that urgency comes from being sick. You know, you kind of realize that you could die any day. But at the same time, you know, I think I really appreciate life a lot more too. And maybe that's, that was something that uh, we needed to go through to appreciate, to appreciate who she is and give her the best that we can. Maybe things happen for a reason, not always. 
Lord and every type of love with it. And welcome back. Thank you so much for playing these clips. There's a, yeah. there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. Something I was um, curious about was what was the process like in terms of, I mean, you spoke to a lot of folks and there's only a limited amount of time, I would imagine, for the performance. So what was the process like in terms of selecting which pieces to use? Sure, yeah, we so we put a call out earlier this year for people who m might be interested in sharing their stories, mm -hmm. and it, the word got spread that way. We also publicized it in different ways, and then I think it spread through word of mouth as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, of the 31 interviews mm, in the last two months, not only were we creating the dance material together, but I was on the backside, you know, going through the interviews multiple times, trying to um, pinpoint either experiences that I felt were very unique amongst the group mm -hmm. or certain things that were commonalities. And I felt that it was also very important to have the oncologist and the healthcare professional perspective as well. Um, it was challenging and continues to be challenging because I feel like so much of what people shared is important and probably, you know, not very well known by the general public. Mm. Um, they, you know, t for to give an example, there was one woman who uh, was at General Hospital, and she, her regular doctor was not around, but she was dealing with the chemotherapy, and um, she ended up falling into a coma, and they weren't sure why. Um, and the family was um, not sure if she was going to come out of it. So they were making preparations, um, you know, considering selling the house and trying to figure out how to cover the costs if she does pass. Um, and But by some miracle, she came back <laughs> and she was able to come out of it. And they realized later, after her regular doctor had come back, is that she had hepatitis B and after each chemo session, they were t supposed to have tested her blood, um, but they didn't realize that uh, her liver failed, basically. And um, then, because of her case, then they, s they put into motion certain practices to make sure that everybody gets tested. Mm. And, you know, I just feel like it was an unfortunate situation as well because she's an immigrant woman and the way that she shared it with me was that it was a miracle and and I definitely felt that but I also felt uh, where there are some barriers that she had to deal with due mm -hmm. to language perhaps um, but also you know having people uh, who are familiar with the healthcare system here or mm, are have lived their lives or generations of their lives here who could advocate for her or could have advocated for her. So there mm -hmm. were actually a lot of interesting occurrences <laughs> that that struck me and where I felt like I had to deal with certain questions about eth being ethical and um, mm. my place of privilege and when should I speak and when should I not. Uh, but really, I, mm. I felt like I, it wasn't my place to say anything or make particular comments, but really it was giving them the space to share about what occurred. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are a lot of, lot of different stories, and um, we, you know, those of us that got a chance to listen to it were quite moved by all of them, uh, and particularly the, the resilience in um, this quest to live, you mm-hmm. know, and the, the, the overarching feeling of not being willing to succumb to the disease you know, of course, mm, there were people who passed and of family members of people who passed that I got the chance to interview as well. Mm-hmm. And so they shared another perspective on, you know, their roles as caretakers mm-hmm. and how uh, that could be challenging and uh, require a lot of energy and different emotional and psychological tactics to keep their loved ones um, hopeful yes. and pushing forward um, as well as their their research for various different and new um, methods of treatment, mm-hmm. you know. So it was mm, <sighs> a very, yeah. I feel like I'm just yeah. opening the door to this type of research, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, because the there's been such a short short span of, of time for me to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. But and 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 I I will have to say I will say publicly that if folks do want to share their stories with me, mm-hmm. I'm more than welcome to continue this interview process to be able to capture stories oh, you know i think um the project will continue in various forms past this performance next weekend yes mm-hmm. yeah is there anything Ian? maybe he can talk a little bit about the rehearsal process and how sure. we've been dealing with the material and putting things together because for he and who came in two years ago we've done more um, site-specific works together and the first one was on Angel Island the second one was in a swimming pool (laughs) then Angel Island again Mm -hmm. this is our first opportunity to work together inside a proscenium theater yeah um, alongside that you know uh, last year um, Lenora said we were going to do a project underwater and I didn't know how to swim, and, and um, our other dancer, Johnny, didn't know how to swim either. So we, we, we were <laughs> we jumped in and we learned how to swim for the project. Oh and wow. and this year, we're engaging in aerial work, and mm-hmm. neither of us have have done, or uh, many of us in the company haven't done it before. So now we're flying together. So it's it's been really fun to just jump in these unknown territories for us and to explore in that way. And um, alongside, you know, feeling the, the parallel, um, just essence of navigating through um, unpredictable circumstances and situations and, and pathways, and how we can support one another, and how, you know, we're, we're we may be limited in certain ranges, but then there's also things that are, um, say, unde- undiscovered mm-hmm. in certain areas. So it's it's been a big um, kind of like boxes of mystery opening <laughs> on the horizon. Um, yeah, well, first time working together in a proscenium theater felt like so strange because you know we're usually at the site in the building <laughs> um, with the audience, and, and so now to be shape shifted into um, a certain section of a proscenium theater. I know I felt myself kind of like uh, 
unfamiliar again <laughs> to, to this. But then, yeah, I think what um, just keeps us going is just remembering that we're here honoring these stories mm-hmm. that are being shared and and um, yeah, a part of me um, imagines, you know, like particularly with, with this um, circumstance, it's sort of that unpredictability of it where you don't know your time um, frame sometimes. And it's like with your loved ones, you don't know how much time you have with them. And, uh, and, and so there's like this unknown ticking clock mm-hmm. sort of present. And so, yeah, my, my heart goes out to, to all those facing and facing it together and, and, and the bravery that that entails. And also the, like Lenora was saying, the resiliency of how, you know, there's so many different ways of modes of research and, and from your, from your dietary to your spiritual well-being and like all these things that support it or just simply being with somebody you love and, and how that captures and, and um, keeps you going, keeps you fighting. And so, yeah, it's been very warm and, and inspiring to, to be with. As Hian mentioned earlier, you know, part of the inspiration for the project was mm, when my sister got diagnosed last year. And at that time, we didn't, we just were all caught off guard. And, and she had uh, stage four mm. metastatic breast cancer. So it had already spread from both breasts to the lymph nodes to her uh, liver and her bones. And we were all just kind of scrambling, trying to figure out how best to support her, mm-hmm. um, what would be the best mode of treatment for her. She was getting lots of different opinions from health care professionals that we knew or were related to. And um, so at that point, given given what I felt I was capable of doing to help support was I wanted to be able to interview her and just for her her to have the space to talk about er, whatever she wanted to share in terms of what she was going through, all the information she was learning, you know, how she felt her family was going through um, this simultaneously. She has four kids and she runs a business with her husband. So it was a huge kind of shift in her life and it really mm, forced her to to turn the mirror on herself and um, take a look at how how can I heal from this you know what is it that that I need to shift in terms of my lifestyle to make the adjustments um, and uh, give my body the space to heal and so that was really it it was that first interview with her where I felt oh wow I'm just totally reminded, even though we grew up together, I was reminded, oh my gosh, my sister, she's a strong woman, you know, she's a fighter, and there's there's no doubt that she's just going to keep pushing, which she did. I mean, she's always problem solving, she's always <laughs> trying to think of, you know, alternatives, uh, ways to look at things, seeking out information, 
Um, and so really, I mean, if we, if I were to say, okay, how did she heal? Well, she figured it out, you know, yeah. <laughs> she, she can figure it out or like she can come to, you know, the, the solutions to problems. And, um, but of course, you know, there is there, you're faced with this question of like, what's your time frame now? Mm-hmm. And how do we look at our time together? Yes. Uh, in a way that is generous, but also very clear so that we can appreciate the time that we have together. Um, And through this process for me, I did a lot of writing actually, and I did, um, I mean, I could share some of that writing, but we did writing uh, as a way for me to process it like over time. And then um, we ended up building this piece. You know, we have some financial support through grants, but because it was such a short timeline, really um, we are still fundraising for this project. Um, And so, especially if it's going to be an ongoing project, I Mm -hmm. think it's worth it to consider, you know, how can we support this type of research in the long run? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I appreciate all forms of art and that can really open up conversations and bring people into spaces where they might not either feel comfortable or really know how to get involved, Mm -hmm. I think. Appreciate that you have put this together. Yeah, and, uh, thank you. And also just highlighting so many voices and recognizing that every person has their own journey and their own perspective on how they handle a diagnosis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe yeah. I can share also uh, the artistic collaborators in the project. Oh yes, please. Yeah. Yes. So we're uh, we're working with longtime collaborators Olivia Tang with the media design and um, saxophonist composer Francis Wong and uh, bassist Tatsuo Aoki, mm-hmm. who's in Chicago. Francis is based here. And um, we're utilizing some existing music tracks with Tatsu's from his ensemble in Chicago. We're having some live vocalization and singing from three members of the group here during the show mm, with a, a cast of seven. So we have Hien, we have Johnny Wen, uh, Megan Lowe. So Megan has a background in aerial dance. She's uh, been dancing with Flyaway Productions and teaching with Bandaloop. And we have Lin Huang and Sansan Kwan. Sansan teaches at UC Berkeley mm-hmm. in dance and performance studies. We have Jory Horn, who also has experience in aerial dance. So um, we're excited to be bringing this to you. We can also offer tickets. So again, the performances are November 1st and 2nd at mm-hmm. 8 o'clock and November 3rd at 5 o'clock. Okay. The program runs a little over an hour, and then we're having a post-performance panels by some of the interviewees oh. and healthcare professionals. So each night it'll be a different panel. Oh, great. Yeah. And if folks would like to purchase tickets, should they go to your website? Yes, okay. yes, which is Lenora Lee Dance, L-E-N-O-R-A-L-E-E-D-A-N-C-E dot com. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Excellent. I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Uh, no, just um, we hope to see you there this weekend. Again, the performance is at Dance Mission, uh, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, 
Friday and Saturday will be at 8 p.m. and Sunday will be at 5 p.m. And yeah, it would be amazing if you all could come out and be with us, be with the interviewees and just share that space and time to um, reflect, um, uh, brainstorm and, and, and just, yeah, be with each other during this moment in time. And I would imagine that each performance will be not only unique in that all performances are unique, and I imagine that given the folks who will be there afterwards, the conversations afterwards will be different as well. Mm -hmm. So folks could come every night and see a different performance. Mm -hmm. I can share a couple of um, writings. Um, Hian has some writing as well that we did as part of this uh, project and process. Uh, this is something that I wrote. Uh, I'll give a, a couple of short excerpts. Mm -hmm. I received a voicemail from my father who said, Karina's oncologist called and said the cancer has spread from both breasts to her lymph nodes to her liver and bones. I hold myself up against the glass windows separating me and the pool from the lobby on the outside. I call my father and he confirms it. Standing in the shower, water flows from the pools of my eyes to cross the intersection of the chlorine water being rinsed from my skin down into the drain of forever. They said this type of cancer isn't detected on regular mammograms. It was only until I complained about the masses that they ordered the 3D ultrasound for me. The technician knew right away that it had spread. Through the blood and the bones, through the tissues and organs, infectious, seeking pathways of their own to new territory, new cells, inhabiting more and more space in her being. If it's not an untype common, it's, if it's not an uncommon type of cancer, why don't they screen as a preventative measure? Then they're missing entire populations who have this. We feel the rivers flowing through the depths of her veins through the question of tomorrow, through the broken visions of the future, to the pale softness of her skin, holding the storm inside. <sighs> Here's one more short one um, that's a little bit more general. The tides that ripple behind and in front, immersed in a sea, an ocean. The sunlight glistens across the tips of the waves out to the abyss of the horizon. The nerves calm. Everything releases to the beauty of this water all around, as wide as one can see, as deep as the center of the earth, extended for thousands of years, for generations of life, hosting and giving birth to creatures abound. Look closer. What do you see? Can you see beneath the surface of where the air meets the waves, this dividing line of lands, land creatures and those of the sea? A fourth wall. A fifth wall? Who is the viewer and who is being witness? Dive into the ocean of sun rays beaming down through the ripples of the water. As you fall closer and closer to the earth, through the stratospheres, the layers of life, the oxygen amasses. Where will you land? Who will you meet? What journeys will come about?
Ian has a writing also. From the self, beyond the self, a collective consciousness, the interconnectedness of all beings, universal frequencies, love in its purest form of frequency, energy, our capacity to awaken compassion, clarity, seeing the goodness and lights in ourselves and the universe. We inherit the deeds, the trauma, the gifts of our ancestry, but spiritually and morally, we can be binded, traced, overcome, and bestowed with both burden and gift. Walking serendipitously, highest frequency, love the selfless, giving of mother figures. There's an allowance that opens the window of the being, two channels, the voices cry and call of that which is necessary to be manifested and shared. Oh, thank you for sharing. That's a nice way to close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lenore and Ian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, thank you Roman. We very much look forward to the performance. Yeah. Uh, we can offer some know. tickets, too, to your listeners. Oh, yes. So whenever you feel like it, we can give three pairs of tickets away. Okay. Yeah, for the Friday performance, November uh, 1st. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, and yeah. we'll put it that way if um, three tickets just email us at lenora lee dance two at gmail.com that's lenora l-e-n-o-r-a lee l-e-e dance d-a-n-c-e two the number two at gmail.com just email us and mention mutant radio and um, your first name and last name and the first three people to email us will receive those three tickets oh wonderful thank you Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to take a bit of a music break here, and then we'll be back with the rest of the program. So thanks again for being here, and we'll see you the first weekend of November. Yeah. See you, Roman. Okay. Hey. Okay.
and welcome back to the weekly review. Big thank you to uh, Lenora and Hien for coming in. Really looking forward to checking out this show. <sighs> for more info, again, please go to LenoraLeeDance.com. So right now, it's technically Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019. This show will be replayed again this Friday, October 25th. So, yeah, that's the date. Wow, a lot's on my mind at the moment. Did want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And so recording on a different day, there's, yeah, I'm uh, feeling a little bit all over the place with my head. And still going to put this all together. One would think that recording a little bit in advance might include having more things being complete or uh, run smoothly. And that's not necessarily the case. Also, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and oftentimes there are folks who they think they're producers and, and everything, and then I remember, okay, uh, putting this together, I uh, have a lot of voices and a lot of folks here, and at the end of the day, uh, I, d I don't have a producer exactly, so perhaps that's why it feels a little bit rocky at times. Anyway, we do appreciate folks listening, and now I'll be going into... Uh, another part of the show, yeah, I'm going to mostly just have other folks talking during the show because I'm getting my thoughts together. did want to acknowledge that we are on Ohlone land, and for folks, if you'd like to read up more, you can go to com, and that is R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com, and it talks about the history of the land and folks who were on the land before it was colonized. So wanting to put that out there as a resource also especially for folks in the East Bay, to please pay the Shumi land tax. And you can type in S-H-U-U-M-I land tax, and that will bring you to the Segorite Land Trust in the East Bay area and learn more about the Ohlone folks and give back to the land. Okay, cool. So coming up next, I am going to be playing an excerpt of a previous show that we did on September 27th, 2019. An election's coming up in San Francisco. I Well, I used to describe myself as an anarchist who votes, which I guess is kind of contradictory. However, I recognize having certain people in positions of power who um, aren't terrible is better than having people in positions of power who are. And, wow, that's, that's a great promotion. Anyway, did I mention that we don't really edit the show? Therefore, uh, we did want to play a previous interview that we did with Chesa Bodine. And Chesa is running for district attorney here in San Francisco. And you know Chesa's on the right side of things because the Police Officers Association are already donating to a PAC to influence the person who's running against him or the person who's got the most votes against him so far, Susie Loftus, who the uh, mayor has put in decided to put in b even before the election uh the police officers as uh, they association supports her so recognizing that someone who wants to really work for reform is running that person should have the support i hope this sounds like a decent endorsement it's true we are endorsing him and if you'd like to hear more and you most certainly can hear more check out the interview with him that 
we had on the show a couple weeks ago, and we're going to be playing that in just a few minutes here. Wow. Okay. So, again, you can find it at the Mutiny Radio archive. If you go to mutinyradio.fm, I'm going to uh, get my thoughts together and chill out for a little bit. So in the meantime, I'm going to play a little bit of a music break, and then we're going to go into the interview with Chesa Bodine. And again, if you want to check out the... There's a couple voting guides that are out in San Francisco. There's the Pissed Off Voters Guide, and they have endorsed him. Juanita Moore has also endorsed him. A lot of folks have endorsed him. So again, November 5th, vote for Chesa Boudin. And yeah, also if you're in District 5, Dean Preston. So that's where that's where we're going. All right, so now going to put on some music and then we'll get to the, our interview so you can hear more from Chesa himself. <sighs> Again, a big thank you to, uh, to folks tuning in. And if you'd like to support the station, that would be super helpful. You can go to mutinyradio.fm. There's a... Uh, There's a uh, donate button. Wow. You know, I meditated this morning. I even worked out a little bit this morning. I biked this morning. One would think that perhaps I'd be more clear-headed. And I am still just so, there's so much going on in the world. And that's always been the case. However, just a lot going on. So thanks for bearing with me. Also, I would appreciate it if you could donate to the show. It'd be a big help. I come here. I volunteer. I do the show. Try to put on, try to just talk about important things that are happening, and I'm happy to volunteer my time, and also, if folks could donate, it would also help out quite a bit. So, if you're able to, go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Anywhere from a dollar a month and more would be gratefully, great, greatly helpful, thanks to all the folks who do donate. All right, and here's some music, and then... As mentioned before, we'll have the interview with Chesa that we did a few weeks ago. Please do vote if that's something that you're into on November 5th and help get out the word to folks who choose to vote. And here's an end of one song. And then, yeah, this is one of the rougher shows that I've done. And that's okay, because that's how life is.
Will not be televised. Will not be televised.